Um, like I said, it's such a joy to, to be with all of you. I uh, listen uh, all the time to Globe on podcasts, so I've been following through your series in Psalms. Uh, you guys are in Psalm 8, talking about the majesty of God and yet how that God cares for us. And we're in Psalm 20, talking about how we should keep our eyes on God's promised king. And today, we are in Psalm 96. And so I'm going to read that psalm for us, and then we're going to pray and ask for God's help. So Psalm 96. Uh, someone tell me a page number for the... Um, anyone got a page number for the... 282? Oh, 602, 602, uh, if you have one of the Bibles that you've got one coming in. Psalm 96 says this, Sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples, for great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be fed above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Psalm 96. And we thank you for just such a wonderful psalm where you speak to us and reveal yourself to us. And Lord, our prayer is just like our song, that you would open the eyes of our heart. So that in your word we would see you. Lord, we we need to meet with you. You are the one that we need. Each one of us needs to have an encounter with you in your word. So we pray that by your spirit, you would open the eyes of our heart that we might see your son, Jesus Christ, and that we might find life in him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, for people, uh, those of us here who are really into like corporate talk and vision talk, um, you might have heard of the term mission drift. Mission drift. Uh, it's a bit of a weird term. It sounds Christian. It's not actually a, a, a Christian term. But mission drift is a way of speaking of something that happens to organizations over time. Typically, an organization, they set out to accomplish a particular mission, and over time, they drift a bit from that mission. Right? So they set out to accomplish a particular thing, but over time, slowly and slowly, they drift. They begin to add more and more things to what they do. They begin to move further and further away, just slowly. No grand decision, just slowly and slowly, they move away from their initial mission. So here's an example for us. How many here are familiar with the, the YMCA? I'm not talking about the song, like the organization, YMCA. A few people. It's very popular, especially in America. Uh, nowadays, people just call it the Y, 
right? Um, and if you're familiar with it now, it's basically a gym. It's basically a fitness center. People go there and play basketball and stuff. Uh, they do a few things for people who are disadvantaged. But one of the things that's striking about the YMCA is that it stands for the, or, yeah, it stands for the Young Men's Christian Association. And this was the mission when it was set up over 100 years ago. This is its mission. It said, the YMCA seeks to unite young men who, regarding Jesus Christ as their God and Savior, according to the Holy Scriptures, desire to be his disciples in their faith and in their life, and to associate their efforts for the extension of his kingdom amongst young men. There's a lot there. But basically, they were about the gospel and extending the kingdom of God, and now they're basically a gym. Right? How does that happen? Uh, mission drift. Right? Uh, someone didn't sit down one day and said, you know what, forget this stuff, forget this God's kingdom thing, let's just be a gym, right? They, slowly and slowly over time, they drifted, right? And that happens in organizations, and that happens in churches, right? Churches experience mission drift. We start off thinking, okay, this is our mission, but over time we add things, good things, great things, but slowly we lose sense of what our mission, our goal is. And the only real solution to mission drift is to constantly remind ourselves what the mission of the church is. We have to constantly remind ourselves what we are here for. And the good news is that Psalm 96 does that for us, right? And so what we're going to see in Psalm 96, firstly, we'll spend a bit of time thinking about carefully what is the mission of the church, and then we'll spend the rest of our time thinking about how we are to live out that mission. So firstly, what is our mission and then how do we live it out? All right. So firstly, what is our mission? What does this psalm call us to do? Look with me from verse 1 again. It says this. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. So if, if you want to know, if you're looking at a passage in the Bible and you want to know what you're meant to do, it's good to look at words that, they, the technical term is imperatives, words that tell you what to do, right? Um, but if you look at those words, they, they kind of tell you what this psalm is urging you to do, what the mission of the psalm is. And when you look at Psalm 96 and you look at those words, you can basically group them into two different categories. You might even say two separate commands or even two separate missions. The first one is this. There is a command, quite clearly, to praise God. There's this mission, a vertical mission directed towards God to praise God. So, for example, verse 1, we are told to sing a new song to the Lord. Now, thankfully for the music team, that doesn't mean you have to sing literally a new song every time you gather. I'm going to guess that you guys have sang some of these songs before, right? It doesn't mean that every time, you, you know, everyone has to be composing songs throughout the week, every week, so you can sing a new song, right? We, we tend to sing songs we've sang before. We sing some of these songs at Stockwell as well, right? It, it's not a command to write new songs per se. It is a command, though, to be ever fresh in our delight in God, right? So the, the old phrase says that Familiarity breeds contempt, and this command is meant to keep us from being too familiar 
with praising God. This command is telling us that when we praise God, we're not to get stale. That every time we praise God, we should praise God with zeal. Right? With a fresh appreciation of all that God has done. In other words, don't come to church and just go through the routines. Oh God, he, you know, he's done great things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you get into it, right? You just, you, you mime along. No, the Bible says sing a new song to the Lord. Right? Recognize afresh how great God is how amazing his grace is, how worthy he is to be praised, recognizing afresh how glorious he is, right? The psalm says, praise him, you know, bless his name, ascribe glory to him. Part of the mission of the church is a heart that's praising God, lips that are praising the living God. That's the first set of commands. They're all about praising God. They're vertical, directed towards God. But then if you look at those verses, those first few verses, there's a, almost a second category of commands, you might say a second mission, which is all about telling others about God. So the psalm says, it says, tell of his salvation, right? Recount his glory. So if the first command to praise God is kind of vertical, there's a kind of horizontal command to tell other people about God, right? It's directed towards others. And I want you to see how broad it is, right? Verse 3, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples, the scope for this mission is literally the entire world. In other words, here in Psalm 96, all the way in the Old Testament, you have an early form of the Great Commission where Jesus told his disciples to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Right? Even in the Old Testament, it is, was not sufficient for God's people to simply speak of him in Israel. No, the command was that they would go and speak to other nations about who God was. They were to speak to the entire world about who God was. Right? The, the reason why you guys at Globe commit, you, know, you support missionaries and people all over the world, the reason why you do that is because of places like Psalm 96 that tell us to speak of him to the whole world. We, we even, even countries that tell, tell us we don't want to hear about Jesus, we send missionaries there as well because God has given us this mission to speak of him. It's, in other words, it's not God's design that we keep him to ourselves. Part of what God's design for the church is that we would be his heralds. We would go out and be proclaiming the good news of who he is to speak to the whole world. Verse 2 says we are to do that day to day. We ought to be ever speaking of God to others. We ought to always be opening our mouths and speaking and telling, to, uh, telling others about who God is. And so on the surface, there's almost two missions here in this psalm. There is one vertical mission directed towards God to praise God. And there is another kind of horizontal mission to tell other people about God. So one Praising God, the other one, horizontal, tell other people about God. And that's kind of awkward because I said we would talk about the mission of the church, right? Not the missions. Uh, I started by assuming that there's actually one mission of the church. In fact, that there's one mission here in this psalm. And yet it seems as if there is one mission to praise God and another mission to tell others about him. And the more I looked at the psalm, the amazing thing is this, really... Though it appears that there's two missions, there really is just one mission. The vertical mission to praise God and the horizontal mission to tell other people about God are really just 
the one mission. What do I mean by that? So in my church growing up, um, if someone said, praise the Lord, everyone would respond by saying, hallelujah. Right? That's, that's what happened in my church all the time. Right? And the reason why they said that is because that's what the word hallelujah means. It means praise the Lord, praise Yahweh. Right? That's the, the first mission, to praise God. And yet, what does it mean to praise God? Really, that word to praise is really, when you, when you get to it, it's talking about boasting about something. When you praise something, you're actually boasting about it, right? So when we speak about praising God, really, we're boasting in the Lord. To praise God is to make much of God, to boast about him, to, to magnify him, to glorify him, to exalt him, Right? And here's the thing, if we do that, if we boast in God, that kind of thing always bubbles over to other people. In other words, praising God is never just a vertical thing. It always bubbles over into horizontal things. We begin to tell others about God, right? When we love something, when we are captivated by something, we don't just praise it. But if if we love it that much, we praise it, and that spills over to our conversations. We tell other people about the things that we praise, right? That's why when you have a great experience, you you had an amazing day or an amazing weekend, you, you praise it, and the natural extension of that is that you tell other people about it, right? You tell everyone else about it. I love sports. Right? I love sports, and I also love documentaries, which means I love, love sports documentaries. That's like, if you've got the Venn diagram, you've got the sports and, and the documentaries, sports documentaries is, is right in the middle, right? And in COVID times, middle of the pandemic, not much going on, the greatest of sports documentaries came out. It was called The Last Dance, and it was all about Michael Jordan. It's incredible. If somehow you have not watched it, you should watch it. It was incredible. Like, you don't even need to care about basketball. It was incredible. And evidently, I kept talking about the last dance because people in my church started asking me if I was being paid to talk about the last dance. But I had to think, like, I didn't have to be paid because it was just so amazing. It was so incredible that I just had to speak about it. I had to talk about it. I told other people about it. I was praising it, but it wasn't just me and the TV, me and the laptop. Just naturally, as I was praising it, watching it, naturally, I was telling other people about it. The, the, this kind of praise finds a way of getting out to other people. And I hope you get what I'm saying there are not two different commands here. There are not two different missions here. There really is one mission, to be so full of praise to God that our praise bubbles over in our speech to other people. That's the mission of the church. To be so full of praise to God that that praise bubbles over to our colleagues and our family and our friends and our people in school. To be so captivated by how amazing God is to be so captivated by how great God is that we tell others to come and see God, right? Come and see how great this God is, right? We sang it earlier. Come praise and glorify our God, right? Um, So full of praise that our mouths cannot be closed, so full of praise that we cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard. That's our mission. The, The mission of the church is to praise God in such a way 
that it bubbles over into our speech with other people. And if that's true, then our evangelism is an extension of our praise. Our evangelism is an extension of our enjoyment of God, right? Maybe let me put it a different way. If you want to be faithful in telling other people about God, it begins with being faithful in enjoying God, right? In praising God. And yet, how do we do that, right? That's our second question. If, if we get what our mission is, how do we do that? How do we live out our mission? How do we ensure that we are enjoying God? How do we ensure that our lives are filled with praise? Well, the way Psalm 96 does this is by keeping before us the unique greatness of our God. We look through this psalm, and this psalm tells us three things about God that are so uniquely great that if you recognize that, if you understand that, if the eyes of your hearts are open to see these three things, you will be so filled with praise that that praise will boil over into evangelism. And the first thing about God that leads to this kind of praise evangelism thing is a meditation on the fact that God alone is creator. So look with me at verse 4. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Every single one of us, we serve something, right? Someone. Every single person on this planet is trusting in something or someone. The people outside the streets here, the people in Borough, the people in Elephant and Castle, the people halfway across the world, we all have people or things that we are looking to. And yet the Bible says that all these places that we look to, apart from God, they are false gods and they are lifeless. They have no actual power. And the reason for that is they're just part of creation, right? Everything that we might turn to is a worthless idol. Whether we turn to money or sex or power, these are all created things. They are not worthy of praise. Psalm 96 says, our God is worthy of praise because he alone is creator. Those things are worthless and lifeless, but God is all-powerful. And the proof that you need for this is creation itself. In other words, if you would pay attention enough to creation, right, Romans 1 says creation itself tells us about the glory of God. If you pay attention enough to creation, our hearts will be full with this kind of infectious praise that tells others about how great our God is. And look, I, I get this, right, like we're in London so we don't see a lot of, like, the natural stuff, right? We don't see it, right? I'm a city guy. Yesterday, um, against my will, I was on a stag. Um, not that I didn't want to be at the stag, but here's the thing. The stag had a seven-hour hike. Um, I was making the case to the guys in the group that I don't remember ever walking for an hour. Um, anywhere. Hike. Anywhere. So um, I protested and protested, and they went anyways, and I went as well. And in between, as I was focusing on my breathing, um, <laughs> making my steps uh, up, up those hills, it was, in spite of all of that, it was amazing, right? We were in Eastbourne, and you see, like, these cliff, the cliffs, and just how amazing they are, right? And you're looking at the English Channel, 
uh, look, I'm so, I thought it was like, an, I didn't know if we were talking about a C or what. I was told it was the English Channel, right? It's incredible, right? Creation is actually incredible. It's amazing. And that's just the earth, right? That's not even thinking about the solar system or the galaxy or the galaxies, right? When you think about the way God has made this world, when you think about the complexity of our human bodies, and how many trillions of cells are in each body. When, when you think about these things, when you think about the fact that the sun is like billions of millions and millions of miles away and yet gives us light and heat all the way from there, when you contemplate those things, what it teaches you is that our God is great. And that bubbles up in praise. Or, or to quote the, the hymn writer, right? Oh, oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder... Consider all the works your hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, your power throughout the universe displayed, then sings my soul, right? There is something about properly contemplating creation that the natural response is that we burst forth in praise, we sing. And we don't just sing, we speak. We tell other people about the God who made this world, the world in which they live, how the God that made it can be known. We tell them about the God who made them. There is something about creation that leads us to this kind of evangelistic praise. Psalm 96 says we see that because God is creator. But we also see it because God is savior. Verse 2, again, it says, tell of his salvation from day to day. God is the one who saves. Now, the Israelites who were reading this psalm, they would have been thinking of David, right? Stories like David and how Goliath, right? Um, this great giant, unstoppable, and how God used this shepherd boy with five stones to defeat this great giant and rescue Israel. They would have been thinking about Gideon and how God used 300 men to defeat over 135,000 Midianite warriors. They would have been thinking about the walls of Jericho and how God brought those crashing down. They would have been thinking probably most of all of the Red Sea and how God split a sea wide open so that his people could walk through on dry ground. And here's the thing, as they thought of all those great acts of salvation, all the times that God stepped in and rescued them, it was impossible for them not to be full of praise. Because no one else can save like God. No one else has the power to save. But the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, he's a savior. We praise him because he alone can save. We praise him because salvation belongs to him. We praise him because when everything looks bleak and dark and hopeless, here is a God who can rescue. And you can't ponder on that without being full of praise. So Psalm 96 says we should praise God for creation. We should praise him for salvation. But also we should praise him because this God is coming to bring justice to the earth. So verse 10. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. This world is broken. 
This world is wicked. This world is full of injustice. And you, if you've lived a day on this world, you know that. That this is a world that's full of pain. This is a world that's dark. And yes, we drown all that darkness with entertainment and careers and families. But when we are honest, this world is actually really, really twisted. Really dark. And we have no hope of fixing it ourselves. No amount of education is going to fix this world. No amount of good governance, no amount of good leaders can fix this world. But that's why Psalm 96 is such good news. Psalm 96 calls us to praise God because this God is coming again to bring justice. He is coming to judge. He's coming to bring an end to unrighteousness. He's coming to bring an end to suffering. It's great news for a hopeless world. God is coming to his creation and he's coming to fix it. We praise God because he is judged. Right? So Psalm 96, it calls us to praise God. And it tells us why we should praise God. He is creator, he is savior, and he is coming judge. And here's the thing. That was enough for the ancient Israelites to praise God. That was enough for them to declare the greatness of God to all the nations. But church, Globe Church, here today, we have infinitely more reason to praise God because we have seen the climax of God's revelation in his son, Jesus Christ. We've seen Jesus. And what the Bible tells us is that this Jesus is the creator God. He is the creator of all things. The Bible tells us that all things were made by him and without him, nothing was made that has been made. The Bible tells us that he is the one through whom all things were made and for whom all things were made. And it's in him that all things hold together. The Bible tells us he is the one who upholds this universe by the power of his word. We recount the glory of God. We praise God because we've seen Jesus Christ and Jesus is the creator God. But we have more reason to praise because we've seen the climax of God's salvation, which is also in his son, Jesus Christ. We can praise because as amazing as the Red Sea is to see that split, as amazing as it would have been to see the walls of Jericho come crushing down, as amazing as it would have been to see Goliath come toppling down, we have seen God's salvation in his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what we celebrate every Sunday, right? That God sent his son into the world to save sinners. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We have more reasons to praise. We, we could tell others about how great our God is because our God is a savior and we've seen that in Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're not following Jesus, I can tell you about this God who saved, who sent his son to die so that your whole eternity might be changed. So that you can have everlasting life, forever life with God. I can ask you to come and praise God with me because God has sent his son Jesus to save. Or again, in other words, when we think that God, his son, not sparing, sent him to die, we scarce can take it in. That on the cross, our burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away our sin then sings my soul, then sings our souls, right? We sing when we realize that, when we see God's salvation in his son, Jesus Christ. Church, we have more reason to praise because 
we know that Jesus Christ is coming again to bring in the new heavens and the new earth. Psalm 96 says God is coming again to bring this world to rights. And we see that in his son. Jesus is his name. He's come before. He's coming again. We get to bring the good news to others that actually this world is not ending in chaos. It's not ending in destruction. There is a good end to the story of our world because Jesus is coming again. We're not always going to be in the valley of death. We're not always going from one disease to another, one, one, one crisis to another. No, Jesus is coming again, and he's going to set this world to rights. He's coming. He's going to return in robes of white, right? And we are going to stand, and we are going to see him, and we are going to rejoice in him when he renews our world. That leads us to praise. And so, Globe, this morning, are you convinced that we have good news to make this world rejoice? Do you see this God? And do you delight in this God? We actually have news that will make people from the ends of the earth rejoice. People in Africa and in the Middle East to rejoice because we have the good news of Jesus Christ, the one who made the world, the one who came to this world and saved this world, and the world who's coming to renew this world. That's good news. And if we really believe that, that won't stay here. It won't stay in Ark Academy. That will bubble over into our workplaces, into our schools, into our, our family homes, right? That's our privilege. That's our joy. It's not a burden. I know whenever we talk about evangelism, we all feel bad because we don't do it enough, right? Someone says something about mission, and they're like, oh, I'm terrible, Right? It's not a burden, it's a joy. We get to enjoy God. This is a call for us to enjoy God, to revel in his greatness. And it's all in anticipation of that final day where for all of eternity, we church will be boasting in this great God. Where for all of eternity, we will be praising this great God. And here's the crazy thing. It won't just be you guys here at Globe. It won't just be us at SBC. It won't even just be people. The Bible says all of creation is going to get in on the acts, right? As we close, look at these last few verses. Verse 11 and 12, it says this. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Verse 11 12 says, all of creation is going to burst out in song. Not just people, right? Psalm 96 is telling us what Romans 8 will tell us, that creation itself is groaning, is waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. And on that day when Jesus returns, we will be full of praise, but creation itself will be full of praise. We will be singing songs, but fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains will repeat the sounding joy. The day is coming when creation itself will cry out in joy at the arrival of Jesus Christ, the creator God, the savior of the world, the judge of the earth. Or to put it yet again in different words, Jesus Christ shall return in power to reign. Heaven and earth will join to say, oh, praise him. Then who shall fall on bended knee? Every single creature of our God and King. So church, let's praise him. Right? Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. And let's praise him here. Let's praise him everywhere. Because our God is great. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for Psalm 96. We thank you because you are a great God. Lord, forgive us because we have such light thoughts of you. Forgive us because familiarity does breed contempt. We come in, we read the Bible, we sing these songs, we just go through the words, we go through the motions, but Lord, you are great. You are infinitely greater than our greatest thoughts of you. You are the God who made the earth. This whole earth belongs to you. Nothing was made apart from your hand. You are the God who has rescued us. Lord, we had no hope. While we were yet sinners, you sent your son to die for us. And you are the God who is coming to bring this world to right. You are the God who is going to usher in the new heavens and the new earth. And Lord, when we see these things, our soul sings. Help us to enjoy you. Help us to see you. And Lord, I pray that that praise would resound all the way throughout London so that other peoples would come and join us in that praise. And that we would see those same people on that final day and we will praise you with them and with all of creation for all eternity. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.